Hi, I'm Chris Nur, Chief Digital Officer of Synity, a world leader in enterprise data software. And we're partnering with Chief Data Officer Magazine, MIT CDO IQ, and the International Society of Chief Data Officers to bring you this series of interviews with global thought leaders in data. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Suzette Kent, formerly CIO at the US Federal Office of Management and Budget and a CDO Magazine 2020 Global Data Power Woman selected by CDO Magazine for being a key influencer and pioneer shaping the landscape of data and analytics. Welcome, Suzette. Thank you, Chris. I'm glad to be here today. Glad to have you and looking forward to our conversation. So maybe if we could jump right in, your, your last role was as CS, CIO of the US Office of Management and Budget. Um, that, that's a different kind of role than I think many folks in our audience have had before. So maybe just as a starting point, you could give us a general overview of what that role entails, the size of the organization, your accountabilities, the, the mission statement, and then maybe double click from there a little bit as it relates uh, specifically to, to data and analytics. Certainly, Chris. So uh, the, the role is referred to, uh, especially across the executive agencies, as the federal chief information officer um, for, for the United States. It sits in the Office of Management and Budget. Um, and the responsibilities are for technology policy for the executive agencies of uh, the United States. So how federal agencies use technology to deliver on their mission and services to citizens. And that means policy. Um, many times that may mean certain sets of priorities and activities. And there's also responsibility for oversight. So ensuring that, you know, if there are certain administration priorities that have been defined, there are laws and statutes um, that are to be met, and there are certain types of information uh, reporting and transparency responsibilities, ensuring that agencies are doing those. And as it specifically relates to data, one of the most exciting things that I had the opportunity to lead is the first ever federal data strategy. And that is a 10 year, uh, call it the North Star uh, of how we want to use federal data both inside and externally. So whether that's industry research, you know, academia or other types of things. Um, but with that, defined a set of practices and action plans uh, to be implemented at federal agencies. We also implemented the first ever chief data officers. Uh, this group will, will be very interested. Some agencies had them, some agencies didn't, and there wasn't a consistent set of responsibilities. So as part of one of the laws that was passed, uh, we created the chief data officer role with with a set of common roles and responsibilities, established those across all the federal agencies and created a chief data officers council. So that group can work together collaboratively to do things that a single agency might not be able to do and promote not only the elements of the federal data strategy, but laws like foundations of evidence-based policy making and other uh, components of agency-specific mission that has to do with sharing data. Well, that, wow, that's, um, that's impressive and, and, and fascinating. And just, I, I wanna drill into a couple elements of the data strategy, because that's something that, um, that I'm particularly passionate about. But just what you're um, describing, it's, at a, it's in an enormous scale. Right. So just in, yes. in, in broad strokes, you know, what's sort of the size of the, the budget and the size of the organization 
you know, spanning all these agencies that we're talking about? Yeah. So if we look at individuals that are identified in the technology and data area across um, our government enterprise, all of our federal agencies, that's at about 87,000 people and our annual budget is $92 billion. So okay. yeah. meaningful and yeah. um, very significant. And like I said, that is across the entire executive branch of the U.S. government. Suzette, that's that's fascinating with respect to the you know the, the the data strategy and also kind of the you know the achievement around creating some interagency cooperation. Uh, I I I'm interested in the data strategy in particular because that's something that I do in my professional career. Are there a couple of features of that data strategy you think that the audience would find um, you know particularly relevant, specifically from kind of a a data and analytics industry standpoint? Absolutely. And I want to start with one thing. As I, as I answer your question, um, all the things that I'm talking about are available on strategy.data.gov and resources.data.gov. Individuals who are currently CDOs probably went through parts of this journey, you know, in, in their respective companies or, you know, as they looked at uh, what their long-term plans are. But what we did was define a long-term strategy that, looked many years out, decade, and then broke that down into the foundational elements that we needed to focus on year by year by year in certain practices. Because what we realized across the federal agencies is that agencies were at different points, both in the tactical skills of the individuals in the data-facing roles, but also the culture. In the culture of how agencies prioritize use of data, what the management team thinks about data, how they curate their data. And what uh, for your listeners might be interesting is looking at the full scale of the strategy and the 40 practices that are in the strategy, but then look at what was in the year one action plan. And those were the foundational steps. It was around organization. It was around skill sets. It was around curation of data. It was around developing an ethics framework. And the most important thing was that was number one in the first year action plan was clarity in the mission facing organizations about the questions that they want to answer and the business outcomes that they wanted to drive through using data. So that ensured that it wasn't just a side project with a set of you know, practitioners in one place. It was embraced by the agency. They were using it to drive real results that mattered either for their mission, you know, for citizens, for, for government efficiency, or, or those types of elements. And that has been some of the more uh, kind of exciting things that have happened and why people have gotten excited about the activities is while we're making investments in the hard skills and the understanding of the culture, results were being delivered as well, um, and, and agencies saw the value that that they were getting. Well, that's that's fascinating and and so important. And I want to just pick up on a, a couple of things that you shared um, that are you know very much along my my own lines of thinking. Um, so you know, I think too often when we talk to data folks, we sometimes get lost in the data and we forget that the purpose of the data is to drive a valuable outcome. Right. So the fact that you were able to really focus on on that um, thematically as as one of the the uh, the foundational elements of the data strategy, I think is. Uh, is very significant, and I just want to highlight that. 
Uh, second thing you said that I want to just just highlight is building that organizational and you know sort of um, data culture, which is a very difficult thing. And and you know as uh, as a leader in a technology company that works in the data space, I think too often people feel like there's a, a panacea of some tech solution that's going to solve all data problems. And in fact, you know, over the past 20 years, my own experience has been that the, the human part of the equation is actually the most difficult by far. Yes. Um, there's lots of awesome technology. Technology does cool things. Uh, you know, if you don't have an organization that knows how to use the toolkit, then all those investments in technology tend to not be worthwhile. So just to, you know, kind of highlight two of those points, I, I think that's, um, that's really significant. The, the third thing, and let me turn this into a, a question. So you mentioned some foundational work around data curation. So one of the things that I, I think, um, and I'll just say for myself, I, I know how to ask the question, but I don't have a good understanding of it. Maybe you could give us some flavor of what the, the federal government's role is holistically in collecting and curating data. And you mentioned that curation because I'm aware that you know the the federal government is a machine when it comes both to the production and consumption of data, and that you know part of what you've done is to create, start to create a wrapper and a strategy around how that works and how we can get better outcomes from it. To your point, but maybe you could just share a bit around you know sort of the scope. Maybe double click on on you know one domain that you think would be interesting for people. So, so Chris, I'm actually, I'm going to throw two of those domains out to think about uh, just as I answer your question. So things that, that maybe many of the listeners are familiar with in their day-to-day -day life. So think about information that you may see from the census, what our population looks like, who is where. And then all the weather data that we have from NOAA. And the fact that in its mission statement, NOAA has a public commitment to making data available. So when you see the weather every day and you're trying to, you know, do I need to take an umbrella or not? Or am I, am I going to, uh, you know, do, do this thing? Think about those, you know, in your mind. And, and when you look across the entire federal agencies, uh, the, the scope of what they do is so different. So, you know, as I comment, I'm going to hit some of the, the, the common things, but recognize that there are so many different missions. But some of the consistent things is that agencies are, are responsible for secure collection of information and, and secure management of that. And much of it is actually defined by law. And the government is, you know, kind of different than, um, say, a private sector institution where somebody chooses to do business with that or, uh, institution, or they make a choice to engage, and they have some choices about whether they provide information or not. The federal government, as they collect data, has to ensure everything's consistent with U.S. law, with privacy, uh, done in an ethical way that aligns with American values, and that that is an agreement with its citizens. So as, as that happens for every agency, whether they're collecting information on farmland in USDA um, or they're collecting, you know, information about energy uses at Department of Energy or, you know, I could keep on going. The government's role is to securely collect that information for a specific purpose and use it for the specific purpose that is agreed upon with that constituency the small business owner, the citizen, when we take social security and tax information. So 
the interaction is very different because some, some of those participants don't have a choice. But the things that are consistent with your private sector listeners is that there is an expectation of privacy. There's an expectation of the security of that information. And the way that we use it has to be consistent with the manner in which we've agreed to you know, collect it. So that may sound pretty basic. Hopefully lots of folks are saying, yeah, that makes sense. But when we think about the applications of AI and automation and things that we can learn from data and infer uh, for better policy, for finding cures for disease, for improving our energy and transportation grids, we have to make sure that, that those new things that might not have been part of the idea when we collected the data are consistent with those agreements, or we have to go back and readdress those agreements. And so as the federal government curates the data, they are thinking about some of the basic things, you know, that are consistent around quality, consistency, source, um, but also looking at um, now, you know, bias and ethical use, alignment with law, and what the agreement with the individual business or entity that shared that data actually is. Wow, that's that completely makes sense to your point, and that's also fascinating because I think then you're 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 kind of in a position um, in the government of a balancing act between you know the 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 I'll I'll, I'll simplify it by calling it fair use, right? So I, I give you data; it's collected for a certain purpose. My understanding is I have to give it to you, but you're going to use it in kind of a narrowly defined way. Yet. More broadly in the industry, the whole promise of AI and analytics is that we may be able to discover things that are very important outcome-wise from uh, you know, a services delivery standpoint or from a public policy standpoint by triangulating different sources of data. And yet you a little bit are handcuffed because you've collected that data under the premise that you're not going to use it outside the narrowly uh, defined boundaries, the, the narrowly defined premise under which you collected it. Is that kind of a fair summary? That, that, that's a fair story or a, a fair kind of way to look at it. But I'll give you kind of an example, you know, on, on the other side. Um, and, and these are real examples. When citizens share with the federal government where they live and where they work, that is for a specific purpose, right? Department of Labor may have something, um, the, the, the census may collect something else. But if we're in an emergency, if there's a public health threat, if there's a weather threat, most citizens, you know, and you're trying to prevent loss of life and you're trying to inform first responders, most citizens are, are comfortable with that information, you know, potentially being shared. So there, there's also, you know, questions, as you said, whether it, it's using advanced analytical tools or whether, um, it is understanding that the government can operate as a broader enterprise for the benefit of citizens. Where those intersections are um, and following an ethical use framework uh, that in ensures you know, citizen protection, but also you know, alignment with, with law and the outcomes that we're trying to drive. 
so sticking with this line of thought, and this is something that's come up in a number of my interviews, is it, it often feels like the pace of technology development is so rapid that businesses' ability to understand how to use it, and then from your lens, the, the federal government's ability to regulate and, and um, create thoughtful frameworks that are, are both forward-looking but not lagging at the same time. Like, how do you strike that balance in formulating policy, you know, in particular as it relates to some of the, the ethics and privacy considerations that have been, you know, very paramount over the last uh, four or five years? It's a great question. Um, and it is a place where agencies are both building their talent and they're exploring the, the questions. And I'll go back to something you kind of said at the beginning, and I say this to the CIOs and the CDOs as well. Um, there are so many things that we can do and technology will allow us to do, but that's not useful um, or helpful if it doesn't match the mission problem, the, the business problem that we're trying to solve, if it's not embraced by the, the business. Um, and so we look at some of those things you know, in the same way. Are we achieving the outcome? and just stay very, very laser focused, you know, on the outcomes and what the, the ways that we have found success is pilots and initiatives where um, we are learning and then raising the bar and learning and raising the bar. And when you ask the question about policy, you know, many of the, uh, the way that I have framed it and when I've been discussing it both, you know, inside agencies and with Congress when I was in the role was developing guardrails. And then we narrow those, or we expand those as we learn and understand more. Um, we've been there because of uh, what we formerly talked about, about laws, about commitments to privacy. We already have a lot of guardrails in place inside government. Um, but as we build extended policy, we're layering on top of those more. And as we, you know, learn and understand, we continuously update the policy. That is part of the reason that we developed the strategy with a, a, an action plan to come out every single year. Because every single year we will use the learnings and the feedback and use that to enhance um, both the, the content of the next year's action plan but more importantly, the priorities of the items that are, you know, on that action plan. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, say for my, my friends inside the federal government now, uh, they've made significant commitments to building the talent. Um, so many of the things that, that they're doing, there's a recognition that um, what both business users as well as practitioners uh, we, we need to continue to, to grow those skills and they're, you know, in demand across the agencies. So um, they're building and then, you know, kind of moving the ball down the field uh, with the experiences and the feedback from those experiences. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And that's actually refreshing to hear because one, one uh, you know, not to be rude, but one doesn't normally think of the government as being agile. 
Um, but exactly <laughs> what you just articulated, I mean, this is, you know, what, what we've done in industry, as you know, for years is sort of say, get away from big monolithic waterfall type programs and into a more agile space. So, you know, even within the, the context of, you know, U.S. federal getting down to kind of a one-year cycle, that's, um, that's impressive. And it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear that that, you know, same concept of doing pilots and learning and then um, percolating those learnings back into the, the policy frameworks is, uh, you know, is, is current as well. Um, well me, Craig, I, I want yeah, to add something. That's really important. It's really, it, it is really important. Um, you know, I joined the federal government from private sector, from almost 30 years in private sector. And it's very, think about the concept of something that, that you're setting some 10-year aspirational goals, you know, whether that is in quantum computing or whether it's in our use of data, uh, there are so many things that we don't know along that pathway. And we don't have a crystal ball. And the way that we make progress and meaningful progress is through those steps and moving more quickly and it was very different. I think if uh, you were talking to some of the agency CDOs, and I would encourage you to in, um, at a later point in time for this same type of thing, they would share with you their stories of what they learned from pilots and focused initiatives and how that informed their broader strategy. And, and that's the way, again, that we continue to make meaningful, deliver meaningful results and make real progress. Yeah, no, that that's uh, that that's that's a very very interesting addition, um, and and a perfect segue to a slightly different direction than I, I wanted to go in. So you mentioned um, quantum computing, and so we just talked about you know sort of real world delivery and the importance of agile on that. So I guess my 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 view is that from a services delivery standpoint, and you know taking that learning and, and surfacing it back into policy, that's ideal. There's also a very important role that the, the public sector plays that is that can't really be done in the private sector, which is around basic research. And if you look mm -hmm. back at, you know, part of what's made our economy extremely successful over the past half century, it's investments that have been made in fundamental research that end up being commercialized. So I'm sure you can't be too specific about what some of those things may be. But I think it would be helpful to understand, is that vision still there, as it relates to data and analytics to do, you know, kind of super secret, basic foundational research, it's not agile, it's expensive, it takes a long time, but that it pays dividends for the country and for our economy you know, over generational periods. Yeah, Chris, that that commitment is, is there. And I would say, you know, as uh, there's as much energy going into it, you know, as ever. And funny, I chose the word energy. So when you look at, for example, the um, Department of Energy and our footprint of national labs, many of the things that are going on in this space in the national labs are incredible. Um, some of the most, you know, exciting things that I had the privilege of seeing um, and, and being a part of are happening, you know, in those space spaces and driven with data. And, and I'll share a couple of things that, that are that are public. Um, one of the national labs put out, you know, some information on uh, an analysis that they were able to do with 
massive data sets, took a week uh, you know, to run, but new insights into uh, some of the things that have to do with how um, coronavirus behaves you know, in, in the body. There are, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, Noah already, but their big data project was, you know, is one of the, you know, most exciting that I had the opportunity to, to work directly with that team. And what they realized is that if they make more data available and they, there were certain sets of actions that they were taking, it becomes more usable um, by industry, by academia, by, by uh, you know, other places across our national infrastructure. So those, you know, those are important learnings and, and specifically, you know, around, you know, quantum that, you know, concept, but just say advanced, you know, high performance computing. Uh, what we're also recognizing is that data and applications to work in those environments um, actually need to be you know, handled differently from a, a technology perspective. And that's another important place where um, both our federally funded research centers, our national labs, and public-private partnerships with certain academic institutions, and in some cases, um, you know, companies. Microsoft and DOE also announced a, a partnership around use of data um, and AI. Those things are critically important to continue to advance at scale. And yeah. so I would say it's alive and well, and some of them are more public than you might've thought. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that's really good to hear. And, and you know, I, I think, um, I guess in, in a way I would expect kind of that excitement around working with large data sets and some of the, the computational stuff as it relates to analytics. Um, you know, you have smart people with a lot of, um, tech prowess and compute power, they're going to do that stuff, which is awesome. I, I want to maybe just double click on one thing that, and, and I'll use a particular example that I'm very familiar with because I have a life sciences background. Um, there's, you know, to me, one of the most foundational challenges in the data world is the problem of data interoperability. And mm -hmm. if, I, if I double click on, for example, um, electronic health records, it feels to me as a life sciences person that that's just a complete disaster for lack of a better way of putting it. And that it's sort of been ceded to private companies, which are, they're, they're excellent companies. They do good work, but they're also profit seeking companies that are not really, in my view, kind of pushing forward interoperability standards for something that you know, it has a, a critical services delivery outcome to US citizens, and it also has a critical impact on, on our economy. So like just for, for that or for something else, could, could we, should we be doing more from, you know, kind of a basic research standpoint to drive data standards in critical domains and drive data interoperability, sort of create more um, Rosetta Stones, if you will, um, than, 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 you know, that we would all like to exist um, you know, I, I'm, some of that might actually negatively impact our business a lot, right? Because a lot of what we do is clean up industry problems where there are issues of data interoperability. So I'm just, I'm curious, and it's sort of a, it's sort of a, a boring area, if you will, but it's super important. And I think for, you know, the, the data CDO audience, I'm, I'm really curious if you have a perspective on that in particular. Yeah. So, so Chris, that, that is a, 
complex area, and and I want to I'm going to say a couple things to to kind of frame my comments. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say the government ceded things to private sector. I would say private sector moved faster. Fair, and fair. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Sector because there's always been electronic health record, you know, initiatives. Um, those, you know, it sometimes have not moved at a pace that meets the needs, meets the demand. Um, and that is a, a, my opinion as a citizen and speaking as a citizen. Um, Absolutely. You know, then, then again, I'm pretty impatient with everything. And, and <laughs> you know, I expect all my digital experiences to be fantastic. As, as I mentioned, I came out of financial services and, you know, the, the bar is, let me say on the video here, way up here, right off the yeah. screen. Yeah. Um, but is, but in the environment that Americans live in, when you can tap on your phone and your food drops at your door, um, or you can have, you know, your, your windshield changed in your driveway, the, uh, you know, from a, from a crack, people expect instantaneous um, data-driven high quality services. And so I, I agree with you that there are areas and very specific things where consistency of data improves outcomes and especially the things that are um, where there is a distributed delivery model and a distributed interpretation. I'm going to go back and use the weather example just because it, it is easier. Um, it, it's very finite observations, but it means something different whether you're in New York City or Washington, D.C. or California. Um, but those observations, you know, may come from a central point. The consistency uh, has been established for many years and how that is shared. I, I think we've seen in the health system, because of many of the things going on, um, that need and that drive has become more prevalent again. I would, you know, point to some other things around, say, for example, food quality. Uh, you know, the United States has some of the highest food quality, you know, in the world and our standards and some of our, um, the way we share information has, has been very consistent there um, at a basic level. But if you get down into, you know, what people call organic or not organic and some of those other spaces, there, there's less definition and those are paths that will go on. So that's a long-winded answer to say, yes, there are areas where we should have uh, and should focus on more consistency, again, based on the outcome that we're trying to drive. But as you note, very importantly, there is, um, there's a philosophical kind of question in there around what is the business opportunity for private sector versus you know where should the government be an operating entity and you know i think those th those are some questions that you know we continue to see um pretty heated debates about yeah no I, that's an excellent answer thank you and I, and and it, it, it's it's indeed a very complicated space and uh, you know, hard for the government to move as fast as as private sector is going to move. You know, yet at the same time, it seems like there's there's something there. Uh, you know, in this domain in particular that I'm very familiar with, and I'm sure in other domains as well, where uh, you know maybe pushing a little harder and a little faster just on some you know interoperability standards, which again, it's a it's a it's a mechanical thing, but a very important thing. And if you go back to you know sort of the dawn of the internet. 
some of those standards have proven to be particularly significant and kind of punch above their weight in terms of positive outcomes from a technology standpoint. So, you know, certainly, uh, certainly an interesting thing to think about. Um, mm -hmm. Let me shift, shift gears, if I may, one more time. So we've talked a lot about sort of scope, breadth, complexity of all of the, the government's activities as it relates to data collection, data curation. So if I put my private sector hat on, now, now put yourself in the seat of, of a CDO for a commercial company. What should, what should I know as the CDO of a commercial company? What, what, am I, what assets am I probably not using that I should that are available for free or you know, for a nominal cost in terms of this vast wealth of, of data that has, that's collected and been curated by the government? How, yeah. how, can I, how can I improve my own business outcomes um, you know, by better using that data, what am I leaving on the table because I'm not paying attention? Yeah, that, that's a fantastic question. And um, I, I, uh, I love when I look at some of the data sets and I look at the industry and economic value that they drive, the number of jobs, the number of, you know, companies that either reuse or repurpose that data or aggregate it with other things because it, it as an you know, kind of the entrepreneurial side gets really excited. And so I'll start with a couple of real basic things. Um, and I'll use the federal data strategy as the starting point. Be very clear, first and foremost, on what, am, what are the things I'm trying to solve for? And then reflect that against the fact that there are more than 300,000 publicly available government data sets right now on data.gov. You, you, you could go look at them while, you know, we're talking. And depending on the industry that you're in, those could be very helpful or very insightful. They might help, you know, um, identify gaps for new products or ways to augment existing products, you know, for those to be better or more specialized, you know, to the market. Um, you know, the everything that I talked about with a federal uh, data strategy, those resources are available online as well. And, you know, one of those first year action plan items was a one stop um, application, you know, for uh, research and, and for, for gaining um, information. You know, the other thing that I think might be a suggestion is look at some of the publicly available information that the CDOs at the agencies are sharing. And they're sharing about, you know, what they're doing and how they are using data, because I think that's going to create business opportunities, you know, for many companies that mm. do work in that sector. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to be able to support those, to augment those. And, you know, in, in many cases, you know, the power is uniting, you know, data from, from multiple sources to where the, you know, the sum of the, 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 the outcome is better than the sum of the parts. Um, and so as that maturity happens, I think there's going to be very interesting kind of commercial, you know, opportunities. And I personally think about, I'll throw, you know, one other, you know, out there, there's, there's, there's a whole spin on um, the new normal in the workforce, just like you and I having this video conference of what does this new work environment mean 
for the type of information that needs to be available because much information that individuals use are used in secure places. It's not widely disseminated. Um, it is not necessarily structured in a way that is easily usable. Some of the things that are kind of basic operations, but we now have to think about it from a lens of a different type of working environment. And I think the secure data sharing um, and you know more intense activities that are happening in a distributed work environment are going to create some interesting both you know challenges and opportunities. That is, that's an excellent thought. Thank you. Actually, a, a, a few excellent thoughts in there. And and I was actually more thinking of you know consuming data. But but to your point, with this whole vision, there are you know likely commercial opportunities to uh, to help out our government, which is always you know exciting kind of work. And then I I, I agree with your thought too. I think that the uh, you know the the next normal and future of work and you know data sourcing data storage security that's all that's all going to be very uh, very significant as well um well maybe in uh in in closing um any final thoughts that you want to share you know major predictions for the next five to ten years projects you didn't get to talk about uh <laughs> advice for mid-career leaders any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our uh, our audience of cdos with yeah that, that that's a big one um I, i'll say you know First and foremost, thank you kind of for, for having me um, for the conversation today. But to all your listeners, they are part of what I think is a very important transformation, you know, for how we operate not only our government, um, not I me, mean, not only our private sector businesses, but our government as well. And the demand for show me the data, help me understand what's behind and operating in an environment that is consistently based on that kind of solid foundation is part of what everyone who's listening now um, helps create. And so, so they have a role in that culture, whether um, in, you know, inside government, you know, or, or not, you know, it, it's kind of a, a business imperative for all of us to be data savvy and data literate. Um, and, and that, um, I'm also spending some personal time kind of with our different educational pathways and looking at what students are being exposed to in higher education situations and continuing learning. And, and sometimes, you know, it, it, as early as the, you know, um, you know, kind of high school kind of timeline, when you look at what the most, you know, when you look 10 years, I don't have um, a crystal ball, but when I look at uh, folks who are forecasting, what are the most important roles in the next 10 years? Almost every one of them, the majority of them, has a component of data appreciation, hard level skills, or data needs as a critical element of that. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things kind of that, that, that gets me, you know, really excited. And, um, you know, I think as we strive for better outcomes that going back to that, you know, demand for data and being leaders in the space, not just in the technical capabilities of how, but, you know, the ethics, the applications, the exciting, you know, um, entrepreneurial ways of how new things might be done, you know, um, 
discovered, you know, whether it's down a path of personalization or ways that we can create, you know, business leaders, customers that um, not only are interested, but can, can, you know, serve themselves and form themselves. Uh, th those become kind of, you know, exciting things. If, if any of your leaders is interested in some of the things I talked about on the federal data strategy, um, there's also a link on the website for a newsletter. So when updates and components come out, you can take a look at that. Um, Chris, you, you asked me a wonderful question about what's going on in our, you know, national labs. I would say, you know, they're, they're continue to watch those things. Um, and as always, like our conversation today, dialogues across practitioners um, is really important for us to be able to lift not only the conversation, but the comprehensive um, abilities across everybody that, that's in our working environment. So I uh, appreciate CDO Magazine for, for the time. Um, glad you're a practitioner in the space and we'll keep working on that electronic health records. <laughs> that's, Suzette, that was, a, that was an awesome answer to a big question. Um, thank you, thank you very much. Can, uh, can folks find you online uh, somewhere on LinkedIn, Twitter? I'm on both LinkedIn and Suzette K. Kent um, on Twitter. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I think um, for the audience, we got some, uh, you know, a really terrific wide ranging conversation. Um, there are obviously a, a lot of uh, tremendous resources and great work that's being done that I think um, um, I, I'll count myself among uh, folks who are underutilizing um, those resources. So I'm excited uh, after the conversation to, to go check them out more myself. Um, I love, Suzette, the, uh, the focus on organizational and cultural and skill set development. I love the focus on business outcomes. Um, I love uh, your having uh, helped bring some critical concepts like working agile and, and uh, percolating that into public policy uh, into the federal data strategy. So um, Thank you very much again for, uh, for joining me. I really enjoyed our conversation. For our, our listeners uh, and viewers, there are a number of additional interviews on uh, cdomagazine.tech. And um, thanks for watching. Hope everyone has a, a terrific day.